it's creating the environment for people to do their best work. And when someone is um, interested in working with a company, they have to be able to see what does that environment look like? Will I be solving problems that are really challenging to me where I'm doing my best work? Is this company really focused on doing something that's meaningful, that's impactful, that I'm bought into? Uh, is this company you know, focused on finding the best talent and keeping the best talent, or are they just filling seats? In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture, which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivos. Welcome to this episode of Conversations. I'm Brian Gorman, a Quantibos coach and your host. And my guest today is Alicia Howard, founder of The People Scale. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me here. The People Scale, that's an unusual name. So let's start there. How did you come to The People Scale and what does it mean? Well, it is a lot exactly as it sounds like scaling people. I do believe that the secret behind success in business is scaling people, their abilities, their leadership, uh, the culture, the environment that companies create to do their best work. As a previous executive, that's what my role was, was uh, in a scaling business to scale the people, help create better leaders, uh, make sure that people were growing, creating more opportunities for themselves, challenging themselves, right? So solve the business problems, you got to have the people there to do that. And so when this opportunity came along to uh, start coaching and consulting, that really was the first place that I gravitated towards was really focusing on helping to scale people to scale profitability and scale business. I love that, Alicia. You talked about when we were uh, meeting before we started this recording, a little bit about your story. Would you share some of your story, in particular the story that leads us to the topic for today's recording, which is the Jenga culture? <laughs> Absolutely. So um, in my professional experience, I have about 16 years of professional experience in corporate environments. And in those environments, I've seen all kinds of different cultures. I've seen cultures that could you know, be labeled toxic. I've seen them high growth. I've seen them very, very positive. And the, the culture matters, right? The, the, all of those things come together to create the best outcomes for a business. And in my um, experience, I've gravitated towards helping people grow, helping people be better leaders, overcome whatever challenges might be holding them back. I realized that for myself as a leader, there were things holding me back that I had to address to be able to get better results out of my team. And so putting all of those um, things together, I started to kind of come up with this idea of like, cultures like Jenga, right? Like you play Jenga, you get around the table with your friends, it's a lot of fun, everyone's you know moving pieces, you go really fast. But then as the game progresses, it gets more difficult, you slow down, 
you choose your your moves better because things are now shaky. They're a little bit wobbly. And I have personally observed that in different cultures that I've worked in over the years. Being a person responsible for building the culture, I've experienced that. And it really helped for me to kind of solidify the idea of how important as a leader, every single move we make, when it impacts our people, how important it is. Just like in Jenga, you move the wrong piece, everything can come collapsing down. You move the right piece, you keep building. And so that's what my focus is as a consultant with the people scale is to help businesses, help companies build their culture in such a way that's sustainable. It helps create the right outcomes. It's not this wavering culture that can topple down at any minute and really slow down progress or stop it completely. I really like that analogy and find it so true in my own experience as well. One of the things that listeners have heard me say more than once is that the only place culture lives is inside the people. And I've heard, again, some really wise people make the case that business leaders sole responsibility is culture shaping and culture keeping because if they get that right everything else takes care of itself how do you hire the right people for the culture you're looking to build or sustain uh, for me and and i've asked this question on other podcasts as well, um, it's it's really one of the central keys, I think, because if we don't start with the right people, right, or if we start growing so fast that we're less selective about the people we add, we're not going to end up with the culture that we need. Right, right. So there's a couple of steps to that. Because I wish it was just as easy as say this thing or do this thing and boom, you'll find all the right people. But you made a good point that it is the responsibility of the leadership team to nurture the right type of culture. And sometimes culture can be all like touchy feely. It's about, you know, frilly stuff. It's not that it's creating the environment for people to do their best work. And when someone is um, interested in working with a company, they have to be able to see what does that environment look like? Will I be solving problems that are really challenging to me where I'm doing my best work? Is this company really focused on doing something that's meaningful, that's impactful, that I'm bought into? Uh, is this company you know, focused on finding the best talent and keeping the best talent, or are they just filling seats? So if leaders can first kind of before you start putting ads out or hiring, think about what does this, what, what do we want to do with our company? What are we, what are we focused on? What are our goals? What is our vision? And make sure that that's clearly defined. Then when you go through the process of recruiting, you now have the ability to create positions that are directly tied to whatever your bottom line goal is, right? Whatever those very specific things are that are going to move the needle. Hiring for those things versus I think I need a person to solve and throwing people at problems like that won't that won't move that won't move the business forward. So get very clear on what the role is, what the purpose of it is, 
And then when you're recruiting, you are recruiting to make sure that the people you're adding will do good things for your culture, not take away from it, right? Is this person a coachable person? Is this the type of person who um, has the same, or, or I guess you could say, connects with our values as a company, what we really want to uh, demonstrate, what we really want to see? If that's not defined also in advance, that has to be defined. And then through the hiring process, it sometimes it can become very transactional right now, right? Because people just need things and they need people in seats. So it can kind of be like this person breathes, they could work, put them in that chair. And you have to you have to really hold yourself back from that because then what you start seeing is the turnover happens, the retention issues start happening, and then you're not, you're, you're stack. it becomes very stagnant very fast. So take your time with hiring, really make sure there's a purpose behind the role, that that person is set up with the right things to be successful in that role when they get in the door and that you're holding them accountable for the specific results. That's what motivates high performance team members is they know what they've got to solve. They know what they have to do and they can get in there and do that. And it, those, those keys, those pieces put together help to create recruiting efforts and initiatives that will get you to where you want to go versus holding you back from where you need to go. Putting butts in seats gets that Jenga tower shaky quickly. Fast. Fast. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's very true. One of the responsibilities that I don't think, other than when I was a, a military training instructor in, in the Air Force, one of the responsibilities for leaders that I don't think I was ever asked to fulfill is helping people understand how the work they were doing met the purpose of the organization. And yet, and this is an argument that I'm, I'm find myself making, or a, a point I find myself making more and more, the people on the front lines or the people who interact with the customers who decide whether your business is gonna succeed or fail and so really from the c-suite to that frontline leadership uh, helping leaders help the people that they work with understand the role their workplace i think is so freaking important i agree with you a hundred percent the reason why is because the people who have direct access to your customers, they are going to reflect whatever is happening in the background. And that's either going to help you or it's going to hurt you. And on another perspective, the people on the front lines have some of the most valuable insights because they're listening to the pain points, the challenges, the complaints, the compliments from the customer. And that information is super valuable because it should impact the strategic planning that's happening on the back end or, or on the front end so that what you have coming out next is getting closer and closer to satisfying the specific requests, desires, needs that you're serving for that, that customer base. So I definitely agree. I think sometimes what can happen is um, on the front line, it's stressful. It's a lot of, it's a lot of just nonstop work, chats, phones, emails, you know, back-to-back -back calls. It's a lot and it can burn people out. So leaders who are adept to getting feedback, reviewing their processes to make sure things are, are working well, 
that will create a really good feedback loop, a good system between leadership and frontline so that the information that needs to be passed is being passed in a productive way. And it's not, it's not like a fight. I've seen that too, where it's like, we want this, but leadership won't. And leadership's like, they keep, you know, that you don't want that. You really need to have, the, this is a partnership. And, and the more that you can focus on creating a good feedback loop, man, it will take things and they can go far fast. I've recently personally been in combat, if you will, um, with a very large tech company that does not provide any way to raise concerns beyond their frontline customer service representatives who are empowered to follow a script, nothing more. And it, quite frankly, has caused me to begin to say, who's the competition? Where can I take my business? My business is, you know, it's a couple hundred dollars a year. Sure. It's, it's not a big deal um, from, from a corporation that size, but it also makes a difference for me as the consumer. Yeah. I, I recently had to, um, had to change my insurance and I had to call into the call center and, and work with someone. And over a period of, I don't know, three weeks, I'd call in, I'd get the thing to the next step and nothing would happen. And then call back, get it to the next step, nothing happened. And it was like, you could start to hear the script because everyone would say the same things, but no one was empowered to make take any action. I left that company. I took my business elsewhere because I... I, I don't have time. I don't have time to sit and wait. And you say you're doing this, but you actually don't. And it's the same, um, you know, in business, like we have to think very carefully, what is that customer experiencing? Because if that experience isn't making them, you know, loyal, is it making them bought into the company, then, you know, not only will you have employee turnover, now you're going to have churn with your customers. And those are some of the biggest, hardest problems to solve inside of a business. So Take a step back and just communicate. <laughs> a, a while ago, I did a podcast with Peter Anthony out of Australia, and I don't even know how we got on the topic. And Peter said something that makes me chuckle still, and I often repeat it. He said, you don't want satisfied customers. He said, imagine I go home tonight and I tell my wife, I want a satisfactory marriage. I'm going to be out the door. He said, you want customers who are advocates for you. True. And and you don't get those when you don't have frontline workers who are advocates for you. It's that right. simple. Uh, a couple of good friends of mine several years ago wrote a book called IX Leadership. Uh, IX being internal experience. And they make a pretty strong case that if you get that internal experience right, and this goes back to what I was saying about uh, leader as culture shaper, culture keeper. Um, they made the, the argument, if you get that internal experience right, you don't have to worry about the customer experience. What's your experience with that perspective? Well, I have heard people say that um, the customer is number one. The customer is first. Everything we do is for the customer. 
But I don't necessarily agree with that. I was in a uh, a previous mentor I had you know, kind of flipped the script on that and said, you know, your employees are first because if you really make sure your employees are happy, you know they are going to make sure the customers are, you know, like you said, raving fans, that they are your advocates. And I have seen that to be true in my personal experience. When the team members feel like they have a way to give feedback, report what's going well, what's not going well, get coaching, get guidance, and to know that what they're reporting on is impacting what the planning, the planning that's happening behind the scenes, it's so motivating them to them to stay more engaged, to you know, give better assurances, even when things don't go right. It's really an authentic response that they can give to the customers to properly reset expectations, reset um, challenges that they might be experiencing. So 100% focus on the team, create a really strong team that feels valued, that is truly valued. They will take care of the customers and, and ensuring the customers are having the best possible experience too, using the product or service. Alicia, you just named some of what's important. Uh, um, to the employee, and I've almost stopped using that word because um, employees historically have been sort of one leaves, we get another. Sure. They leave, we get another. We need three more. We don't need six anymore. Um, I've really tried to get leaders to focus on people. What other things make people not just feel they belong, but but deep, deep down know that they belong in an organization and they are going to do everything they can to give it their best? That's a great question. And in a lot of ways, that's like a million dollar question. A lot of people want to be able to know the answer to. But in my perspective and in my experience, at the very core of it is just respecting people. They are, they have a life outside of the walls of the office or you know their remote office. They have hopes, they have dreams, they have aspirations. They're not working for the fun of it. They're working to be able to reach the goals that they have in their life. So it's not that the business now needs to like conform everything to the people, but just genuinely respect them respect their differences, respect how they might approach a problem differently from how you would. That gen like dignity and respect is just the basis of good human relationships. And it is possible inside of a business environment to do that. It's not about ping pong tables or lots of extra benefits. Those things are nice, but that's not really what's going to make a person feel valued or feel like they want to give their absolute best when they feel like their talents are being used, they're in the right seat, they're doing the right type of work, solving the right types of problems, and that is making a difference in the mission of the company or for the customers. Those things are those things hit deep. And that's the difference of like, I'm showing up for a paycheck to I'm making a difference for what I'm doing because I'm aligned to the vision and values of this company. So basic respect, right? Respect and purpose. 
those two things will go such a long way to make a person feel, I want to be here and I want to give my best every single day. I want to pick up on that purpose piece and on your background on the people side of the business. Because historically, our business structure has been move up, move up, move up, move up. And the ladder gets thinner and thinner. And we tend to promote people for what they have achieved in the role they're in, as opposed to what they could achieve in the role we're moving them into. And so often we're moving people out of the work that they are passionate about to supervise others who may be passionate about that work. How do we break that cycle? Well, it's interesting, you know, in the American dream, it is kind of in there. If you're in the corporate world, climb the corporate ladder, get the promotions, get to the next level, get the title, get the salary. I mean, those are things that are part of the fabric of people who are inside of corporate America. So are you going to change that? I don't know. But what I do know is that when you are considering people for promotions or you're considering people to change, one of the biggest mistakes I see is moving someone to a new role before they're ready, before they understand the responsibilities, and before they know how to lead other people. And that's like a recipe for disaster. So an approach that I found successful was instead of just focusing on a promotion, focus on helping people to qualify for a promotion. Give them responsibilities that they can practice, projects, like I could delegate a project to someone and then coach them how they did because they have to be open to that type of feedback. Otherwise, you get really closed off leaders that, you know, don't lead teams in a place that's going to really get to fantastic results. So that's it's a little bit of a different approach. Like we can we can kind of understand, again, if we have a vision, a purpose for the company and where we need to go, we understand what roles we're going to need to hire from and what we're going to need from those different roles. Well, then that's where, you know, people operations or leaders can really do a great job of helping to train and coach people to find it in themselves to level up. We, we don't, you don't want to force it. If people can bring that because they're motivated, they're inspired to bring it, you're going to have a 120% better leader than if it's just someone you're moving, right? And they didn't want to move and you're kind of forcing them. But at the same time, business is business. And there might be times where someone gets moved to a different position that uh, they maybe didn't want, maybe aren't the most qualified for, but business need necessitates that. The challenge there is like putting a person there and then leaving them, right? But put them if they if that's the situation it has to that's the change that has to be made. They're ha um, continuing to provide support, training, guidance, coaching, mentorship, so that they can learn, right? Sometimes it's you got to faster shorten the learning curve, but it's it's never. Uh, I wish it was a perfect recipe all the time, but uh, whatever the situation is. People need, people need support and guidance and leadership to help them level up to be a better leader. I'm hopeful that there's a way that people can stay where they are, continue to grow where they are, and be recognized for that. 
rather than having to move somewhere else in order to make that happen. Well, I do, I do think like that's, that is a genuine um, statement that you just made. And there's a lot of value because when you think of a team, you need individual contributors and you need a leader or two leaders or three, but you might need 10 or 15 people who are individual contributors and fantastic individual contributors. So there is always this level of like balance, have conversations. Like if you're having reviews regularly with people, you'll know where they are and what they want. If they want to level up or they want to get better and get more training and get more certifications to do better, like just having that conversation will make sure you're keeping people in the place they can do their best work. Conversations. Alicia, any last words before we wrap up this conversation? Well, I really appreciate um, that there's an audience out here listening to this that is really interested in growing business by taking care of their people. I, I definitely believe that people lead to greater profitability inside of a business. And that culture, it's not a nice to have. It's not uh, if we can. It's, a, it's an essential. It's a competitive advantage. So I really encourage um, leaders, business owners, executives to look at the opportunities to grow their people. Even if they have small teams, work on scaling people because the results, the ROI from that is incredible. Long-term success for the business, greater satisfaction, greater advocacy in and outside of the business. There's so many, so many valuable things that come from that. So people matter. And if we go back to Jenga, as you grow your business, grow it with care, with thought, with intention, and with ensuring that you're putting the right pieces in the right place. A hundred percent. Alicia Howard, thank you for this conversation. Thank you so much for having me.